okay, I've made up my mind. Lev Bell gots to go. Go! That sucker's gots to go. Bell missed all but five minutes of the walkthrough for the Jacksonville game. Tomlin wants players to be in the locker room two hours before game time, and Bell showed up later than that for the game against Jacksonville. Lev Bell is going to be a bad teammate until he gets his long-term deal at $15 million per year. And he's not going to get that here in Pittsburgh. The walkthrough thing really bothers me. I mean, what the frick? It's the biggest game of the year. But there's a deeper problem. Everything I'm talking about was reported by Ed Bouchette in the Post-Gazette. And Ed also writes that players continually broke that two-hour deadline. And even coaches missed that two-hour deadline. One coach was late for the Jacksonville game, and I would bet that coach was Joey Porter. See, that's what I mean about it not being work for the Steelers. If players showed up late for a Patriots game, they wouldn't play. Someone would get cut. That coach who showed up late, he'd get fired. Because those guys are showing up for work. And the sloppiness and immaturity Peter King of SI.com referred to yesterday, that is a byproduct of that lateness and coming and going on your own schedule and not the teams. What the frig did Lev Bell have to do that he blew off the walkthrough for a playoff game? What a jerk. This crap wouldn't happen in New England. It wouldn't happen in the Chuck Knoll era of the Steelers. That's a big thing for me. Just what happened with the Patriots wouldn't happen with Chuck Knoll. Since Tomlin won't get fired, he has to fix it. This is the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Again, I can't possibly emphasize enough that this crap wouldn't happen in New England. It just wouldn't. Maybe that's not why they win more than the Steelers, but they do win more than the Steelers. And it wouldn't happen with Chuck Noll either. Craig Wolfley, who played for the Emperor, joins me at 315, so we'll get his perspective on the things I'm discussing. Who the frig does Lev Bell think he is? He wants the Steelers to commit like $60 million to him or whatever, and he's showing up late for a walkthrough before a playoff game, and he's threatening to sit out next season. It is time for Lev Bell to go. The Penguins won, and that's a nice win, because you lost the night before at Anaheim, and the Kings hadn't played since Monday, but the Penguins took care of business 3-1. Hornquist scored a bad goal in the first minute. Jonathan Quick just whiffed on it. That was big. And then Geno scored in the third and Hornquist again. you got to be happy for Casey DeSmith. He made 28 saves in his first ever NHL start. And he's probably thinking, if I soil the bed here, I might never play in the NHL again. There's a a bit of pressure for marginal players in situations like that. DeSmith played great. He made some good saves. 10 out of 10 for Casey DeSmith. If you want a few things to complain about, 
The Penguins allowed a breakaway goal again after conceding four breakaways the night before at Anaheim. Latang was up on the rush, and Dumoulin made a bad pinch. You can't do both. You can't have a defenseman in deep and then pinch two. One or the other. And maybe when you're ahead, one zip on the road after losing the night before, none of the above is a decent option as well. Uh, the Penguins scored again on the power play, and they scored off the rush on the power play, which is something they've not always pursued. But lately, it happens all the time. Sid keeps making the same pass. Comes across the blue line and springs a guy down the right wing, and that guy buries a shot. Usually it's Kessel. Last night it was Hornquist shooting like Kessel. Kessel got no points last night. That sucks because I want him to win the scoring title. Hagelin got an assist, which gives him a five-game point streak. Considering he went 10 games without a point prior to that, that's actually quite amazing. Daniel Sprong was a scratch. I don't like that. You taught him a lesson, you think, by benching him the night before. So how do we know if he learned the lesson or not if he didn't play? Hey, you guys know me. I would talk hockey all day if you want. So dial 412-333-WXDX. But the bell thing is such ripe fruit. When is a guy more trouble than he's worth? This isn't about him rapping or tweeting, or stupid crap. This is about Bell blowing off the team and responsibilities to the team. When Bell joined the team, he was real young, and Tomlin babied him, and Bell turned into a dink. Well, don't forget, that's how Tomlin treats Juju now. Uh, The Penguins are still in that last playoff spot, but they're just three points out of second place in the Metropolitan Division, and that's what I'm shooting for. That's reasonable to expect the Penguins to get to number two in the Metro. The Islanders lost last night. New Jersey beat Washington. The Rangers beat Buffalo, but Kevin Shattenkirk blew out his knee, got surgery, and probably is finished for the year. That will actually help the Rangers defensively, but but hurt them offensively and on the power play. How about Vegas? One at Tampa. At Tampa! 4-1. I have never seen a phenomenon like Vegas, an expansion team. Most points in the West, second best record in the league, just blew out the team with the most points in the league and at Tampa. Wow. I keep waiting for Vegas to fall apart, but maybe they won't. They're talking about the next expansion team for hockey going to Seattle. Boy, whoever gets that next expansion team in the NHL, they're going to have a tough act to follow. After what Vegas is doing now, can you imagine the expectations of the fans in that next expansion market? Uh, That was a cheap shot by Brown of the Kings on Schultz last night. I guess Schultz is okay. That ended the game for the Kings. Hornquist got that power play goal with L.A. down for five minutes, and that penalty removed five minutes. In those five minutes, L.A. wasn't going to score, and they needed to score to catch up, and then bingo, Hornquist scores, and they're down by two. Now, I I thought that was a real cheap shot by Brown. We're going to have Brian Metzger, the Penguins Radio Network, on later, and that'll be one of the things we talk about. 
But earlier in the game, Gino got his stick up between Bronze Legs hard and no call. Now, that's okay. Get his stick at his side. Get your stick at his side, rather, and let him know you're there. Or in this case, well, that wasn't Bronze's side. That was his twig and berries that got a bit mangled. Uh, Bronze certainly knew Gino was there. Seriously, the key is to not get caught. If you don't get caught, feel free to sow the seeds of aggravation. We got the best football talk in town up next. We're going to talk Steelers with one of the team's all-time greats, Craig Wolfley. That's Craig Wolfley coming up next right here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Let's face it, you've always been in love with me, and this is just your moment of clarity. I don't think so. Oh, I know so. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio for the best football talk in town, fresh from the sidelines of that game against Jacksonville on Sunday from the DVE broadcast team. He's the all-time Steeler great, Craig Wolfley. Wolf, what the heck happened against Jacksonville? Because I didn't see that coming, and especially not down... 21 zip relatively early. That was really, I mean, that that summarized the whole affair. You get down 21 points, you spot anybody 21 points, you got huge problems. Like we were talking about, when you have a uh, any sort of return for a touchdown, be it a fumble return, an interception return, your chances statistically, by stats accumulated by the NFL, go up by 70% in achieving a win. Well, wow. I mean, that, that says a lot about what happened, and certainly when Telvin Smith who I got to tell you something, stand on the sidelines to watch the fast break that ensued from a fumble hitting the ground. Suddenly, Smith gets it and goes 50 yards for a touchdown. It was faster than, I don't know, Larry Bird leading a break for the old Boston Celtics. Yeah, it, it was quite amazing. Just the way Jacksonville came out, uh, so focused and, and obviously very prepared. Now, did the Steelers' offense play good or bad? Because on one hand, it scored 42 points, on the other, it helped dig the hole. Well, that's the problem. You know, you help dig the hole in the, in the one hand, and that's that's problematic. A too late a start. You know, you gave too much of a cushion. But let's face it: when you score forty-two points, you should win the game. Yes. And and there's just no regardless it, of the hole. Yes. No question about it. Uh, the defense knows they didn't get the stops that they needed. You cannot spot somebody all those points and then be able or hoping to be able to come back and, and survive that. And that's really what happened. And down the stretch, they couldn't get off the field when they needed to get off the field. And certainly just watching, you know, from where I'm at, I'm watching on the sidelines, Mark, and the, the, nobody knows what's going on. I mean, you, you can tell those those looks players give each other when it's like, I can't believe this is happening. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was going on. The one time I thought the Steelers might win was when Robert Golden blocked the punt, but then the offense went four and out. And that was that was so unfortunate because when he got that piece of the punt, he went by me and about eight guys from the return team. Uh, they came you know, running down with him, and everybody's got that joy. You got that feeling as I felt it so many times over the course of the years, be it as, as a player or as a broadcaster, down there by the field with the players. And, and you know, okay, this is a turning point. But the turning point didn't materialize in any points, and that's where I think things really started to go bad. Well, right. When you don't score there, it's a turning point for Jacksonville. In fact, yeah. that was pretty much the ball game uh, sealed for the Jaguars. Now, what's your take on the fourth down play calls, especially the pitch 
five yards deep to the short side of the field. You know, again, that's that's a matter of philosophy, if you ask me. Uh, some people will sit there and say, uh, you know what, it's the quarterback sneak because you want to just eke out whatever you got to get. You got 10 inches, you got a foot, whatever it is that you got to get. Right, you got a six foot five guy that can just fall forward. It very, very much so. Yeah, and you have an all pro center, uh, you have an all pro right guard. Uh, you got a, a a man killer with a, the big ragu at left guard. You just block the inside gap and you go because you're at home and you can uh, you can concentrate on that snap count and beat the defense. So the problem then becomes philosophy. Well, they pitch it, and Vance McDonald didn't get the depth, didn't get the press the outside shoulder. But I will say this: if your philosophy is go win the game at that point, which we've seen in the past years. That's Mike Tomlin's forte. Is he's not afraid to make a call uh, that that could could hurt you. Well, look, if, at, the, if look the, at the fourth down long ball to Bryant. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I did not like the pitch deep on the short side of the field, but you know if it would have worked, nobody would have complained. If if Vance McDonald gets that block, gets depth, and gets that block on Jalen Ramsey, and everybody's saying, "Don't run a Jalen," are you kidding me? That's a six four, two hundred sixty pound man on a six two, two hundred and uh, 200 pound guy. I like my odds of Vance McDonald getting the block. He just didn't execute the technique, and Jalen made a great play. The Steeler D just wasn't the same after Shazier got hurt, was it? Because just looking at the Jacksonville game as an example, Fournette just ran where Shazier used to be, and you know when he ran someplace else, the pursuit wasn't there. I mean, I don't want to criticize like Sean Spence too much because those are big shoes to fill when you jumped off your couch to do it, but. Uh, that was just a big drop-off once number 50 wasn't available. No question about it. I think, number one, it tells you the extraordinary number one athlete that Ryan Shazier is. As we've seen him. He's a playmaker. He's a three-level playmaker. He leads the team in interception, lead the team in passive defense, and leading tackler. So this guy brought a lot of uh, big bang to the Steelers' defense, but he's also the mind. I mean, this is a guy... Ryan was a consummate uh, film rat. I mean, I have sat the in there. Signals, everything. Yeah, everything, and he, he did it. He did it because he had the mind of a, of a of a coach. And watching film with him, and and asking, going, "Well, what are you looking at here?" And like he point out something, you're like, "Going, wow, I didn't I didn't see that?" <laughs> you know, and that's what I, I appreciate appreciate about him. What a great player was, and not just physically, but being able to get guys lined up where they needed to be lined up, and to be able to. You know, download all that stuff in your head and talk to the guys and say, let's be aware of this, let's be aware of that, given down distance and, and personnel packages. Now, I want to give credit where it's due, Wolf, even after a disappointing loss. Antonio Brown was incredible against Jacksonville. He was. He was covered so tight, and he still got the ball. He just went and got it. And, you know, you got guys like Ramsey and Boye, who are both all pro. You could see them visibly frustrated because they were doing everything they could and it wasn't working. You're exactly correct, Mark. Look, you're talking about A.B. being about maybe 85%, 90%. All right, he wasn't 100%. If. Yeah, if that. And and to me, that is the, the consummate expression of what it means to be a pro. Look, before my first playoff game in 81, playing the, the San Diego Chargers, the last play of the last practice before the game on Sunday, of course, we were padded up, I break my thumb. Okay, now I remember being in the locker room thinking I'm playing Gary Johnson, who was the uh, the year before was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Had a great outside club and swim to my outside where my left hand would be. And I'm looking at this broken thumb with the ice pack on it, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to block this guy 48 hours from now? And my kid, right now, my hand's killing me. And then I hear this laughter coming. It's and it's uh, L. C. Greenwood. <laughs> 
Oh, now we're going to see what kind of ball player you are, young man. Anybody can play this game healthy. Let's see what you got when you're hurt. And that, I think, is a tribute to A.B. because he came out, played at 85 90%, and still, as you said, torched two of the best corners in the NFL. L.C. had that great voice, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Very <laughs> deep. We're talking to Craig Wolfley here on the Mark Madden Show. Wolf brought you by uh, 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, were you surprised Todd Haley got let go? And what's your take on Fickner uh, succeeding him as offensive coordinator? Uh, I know Ben and Fickner have a real good relationship, and maybe that's where the upgrade is. You know, Randy is an excellent coach. I remember when he first came on board uh, 11 years ago, and I happened to be up at the Mon- Monroeville Sports Me- or Meadville Sports Banquet. Okay, and Randy was there. Because they love you everywhere. Oh, no, not hardly, but I was there. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm never avert to, uh, you know, having a free meal. So, oh, you and me both. <laughs> so we're up there. And I got to know Randy, and he was at that time coaching the wide receivers. And he's a great guy, very competent coach, excellent mind, all those things. And, you know, he is a tight bonded guy to Ben. Ben and he, you see him warming up pregame in the stadium, you know, outside the locker room and inside the players' tunnel. Um, with Todd Haley, look, if there's a friction, if there's a rub, uh, I would know this. First of all, uh, Todd was, Todd, full disclosure, Todd was a ball boy when I was a player. I loved the guy. All right. I thought a lot of, of him, and I think he's an excellent football mind. It comes down to if you've got a personality problem, then you've got to look at, okay, how do we settle this? And if it can't be settled, I'll give you the Gene Upshaw story. Gene Upshaw told me a story. He had a problem with a new offensive line coach when he was you know, an all-pro guard for the Oakland Raiders. So they had a dispute about something, and um, so finally the offensive line coach says, we can't settle, let's go see Al Davis. So they go see Al Davis. And Gene's sitting there, tells his story. The coach tells his story. Al looks at the uh, offensive line coach not 30 seconds later and goes, you know, it's a lot easier to replace an offensive line coach than an all-pro guard. And that's basically the way it works. Well, I think that's that's certainly what this boiled down to. Now, uh, did the Steelers have too many guys who talk too much and don't put the team first, Wolf? Because as I said in my monologue before you came in the studio, I see shenanigans that Chuck Knoll just would not have tolerated. And, and I know it's a different time. I, I try to understand that. But I also know what works, too. Well, I, I think you, you make a great point. But the bigger point is it is a different time. Now, I would give you an example um, as far as, you know, uh, when Rod Woodson came to the team, I remember, you know, Chuck Knoll being just a hard, tough man about stuff like that. You didn't want to be late. You didn't dare be late around Coach Knoll. On a Saturday practice when we were going out in special teams, uh, we're in the meeting and there's no Rod Woodson. Uh, I know that uh, they sent dispatch some people go to his apartment call and all that stuff of course there's no cell phones back in the day um still no rod woodson we're out on the practice field we go through probably three quarters of the practice and i'm standing by gary dunn and tunch and we're all hanging out there and we see at the one end of the field coming out of the tunnel is rod woodson with about we've got about 10 15 minutes left to practice he comes across and and we're all sitting there going because he's a rookie rod is at this point in time and he had been holding out so he hadn't been with the club long so we're all sitting going oh chuck's gonna get him chuck's gonna get him and he comes up and i'll never forget when chuck turned around looked at that bold with that bulldog face at rod and then after a minute of listening broke into a smile and we're all sitting there going why what happened we get ripped for something like how did that happen you know so i don't know the fact is you you 
deal with the circumstances as they come. Yeah, I agree, but sometimes the circumstances come too frequently. As case in point, Lev Bell skipped the walkthrough. I just can't believe that. And if that happens in New England, he does not play. Well, there's no question that, uh, you know, if it, well, let me put it this way. We we don't have any verification on what the the re- reason was for it. That's true. You know, that's And so you I, I take that and you have to kind of look at that. That's what Coach Knoll did with Rod Woodson, you know, for whatever reason. No, no, you treat every individual differently, right. but... But boy, there's a lot of a lot of well, negative check marks on the Lev Bell side of the ledger at this point. You know, the thing about it is being a good teammate. And how do you stand up to being a good teammate? Well, you're there, you you're on time, you you're part of the process and you you move the rock forward whenever you have the opportunity. So, you know, not being in the locker room, not understanding where all that comes from. I will say this, um it's up to the guys to police themselves. Well, that's you know? true. And that's really where I think the locker room, we used to have a sign there in the locker room, okay, at Three Rivers. It said, what you see here, what you say here, what you do here stays here when you leave here. And I believe in that totally. No, no, I agree with that. And it, I, I do think that team needs to tighten up between now and next year. And uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, David DeCaster, in particular Ramon Foster, and especially Cam Hayward. But after the loss, they were talking about how, you know, we shouldn't have been talking about New England you know, complaining about guys looking forward. Well, the time to talk about that wasn't after you lost. The time to talk about that was weeks ago to fix it, and I hope it gets fixed before next season. Then again, sometimes it's tough to lead if you can't get people to follow. Well, the, again, the question is, what's the locker room structure, uh, the leadership structure in the locker room look right. like? And that's got to be... And it's had a big turnover in recent years, which... Which is never easy. No, it's never easy. And who is who emerges as leaders? You can't appoint leaders. Right. right? That doesn't work. All right. You've got to emerge as a leader. And I believe that Cam and, and Ben, you gotta do what you gotta do inside there and start making sure that everybody's on the same page so that there is you have the veritable New England Patriot wall of secrecy. <laughs> well, they could use uh, maybe not a wall, but certainly some kind of barrier of secrecy. <laughs> have a have a little bit more of that. Now Let's leave the indiscretions out of it for a second. Let's just look at it from a pure football point of view, Wolf. Do you pay Lev Bell 14.5 mil to come back and be your running back, or do you maybe use that money to fix your defense? Well, that's that's a tough call. I Because uh, it really is like a one or the other, unless there's there's something with the cap figures I'm missing. It seems to me to be a one or the other. I, not, not discounting what you can do in the draft. Right. Not discounted, but again, this this is a legitimate talent who who does so much all the way around. Lev, now, oh, he's the best back in the league. There's to me that that's the problem, and I my problem is I don't want to dismantle an offense that I think is right again. It, it's on the, right on the verge of becoming a great, great. I offense. agree, but devil's advocate. That offense I know. just scored forty-two points. That wasn't enough. I know it. I know what you're saying. And so, okay, I me, I, I'm keeping Lev in whatever way that I can. That's that's what I'm. Do I you think they do. can sign him long term? Because he he seems predisposed to that fifteen million dollar figure, and I, I'm not sure he gets it here, Wolf. I'm not sure he really gets that anywhere. I don't know if he gets that. And it was very telling last year. When the Steelers made him a long-term contract offer that reportedly his agent wanted to accept, and Lev would not. Yeah, that again, that's that's secondary hearsay evidence. I can't be sure. I don't know. 
uh, whether it was the agent or, or we do know 15 mil a year is a lot of money though that is we do know that 15 mil is a lot of money and that money could be going to to bolster what you got to do you got to i mean you got to come up with a new middle linebacker well see what, what i probably do maybe is this safety. and i've gone back and forth wolf and i reserve the right to change my mind heck at four o'clock but if i knew i was going to get the right guy to play inside backer with my first pick in the draft I would keep Lev if I was sure about that. But plan B is you draft a guy and you sign a guy, and then you can play him together uh, with Vince as the backup because I think that's where he's best suited, honestly, is as a backup who plays a lot. And if one guy's not what you hoped he'd be, at least you have the other guy. Well, you have a transition guy at least. Exactly. I mean, if you think about, if you were able to bring out, oh, say, a Navarro Bowman, okay? Right. And he still has some good tread on the on the tire that, uh, you know, he can be a leader on that defense and, and help to transition a young guy that right. you draft. Yeah, I'm all for that. And, and then Vince still gets a lot of playing time. You've got no those question. three guys playing two positions, and that's worked before. There's no question. Look, I also asked, first thing I asked was, okay, what's going to happen to Lawrence Timmons down in Miami? I mean, he's got a guaranteed contract, but is he? could he be a cap uh, casualty? Because I would still think he's still And there were ability. obviously some problems there between the Dolphins and him. Not, I'm not sure they were anybody's fault. I know he had some personal situations, but they might decide, okay, it's really not working. Exactly. So I would keep an eye and make sure that Lawrence knows, hello, you remember us and remember where we're at. I bet he does. <laughs> I'm glad Ben's coming back, Wolf. Yes. I was surprised he made the decision early. What do you think fed into that? How close they got her? I, I think, I think number one, he realized that uh, get leaving uh, emotionally putting some stuff out there when at, you lose an AFC championship game, that's probably not a good idea. I think he also had a good idea about what was going to happen change-wise, and I think that uh, he realizes, too, you got a legacy you got you got here that you don't want to mess up. I mean, you have an opportunity right now to uh, have a window where you can get a couple Super Bowls here. Well, if he could get one more, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. One Super Bowl is great. Two puts you in kind of a rarefied air. Very rare. And three puts you on Mount Rushmore. Right. And I, right. I, I don't know how much Ben thinks about legacy, though. I, I, I think he does a bit, but I'm not sure it's, it's at the front of his mind. I, I will say this. He didn't take a lot of punishment this year, no. at least to the naked eye. I think he probably felt pretty good physically at the end of the year, and I think that might have been the biggest factor. No question about it, but I also think this. When you're out there and you come from a, a five-interception performance of the last time you played those guys, and you question afterwards publicly, maybe I don't have any more in a derisive way, and then you put up, put up almost 500 yards of passing and uh, all those TDs and everything else, you go... You know what? Maybe the legacy needs a couple more rings here. Bolted to it. Wolf, uh, thank, this was great all year, seriously. It's the Enjoyed best football talk in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for coming in. Just absolutely great insight. Can't wait for next year. And who knows, maybe we'll get to do it for a couple more weeks next year. That would be great, wouldn't it? By the way, I talked to Gordon from over in Liverpool. and he's The lads from Liverpool, he said they're looking good. Well, it was good this past Sunday, but <laughs> Wolf, it could change in the wink of an eye, believe me. That's Craig Wolfley, brought to you by 84 Lumber. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. What? I'd love to get the balls to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. This just in. Dustin Brown, for his cross-tech to Schultz, has been fined 10 k No suspension, but 10 k That's the maximum fine allowable 
under the CBA. Evgeny Malkin got fined 5K for spearing Dustin Brown in the groin. Get that stick at his side. Let him know you're there. Uh, I'm not outraged that Brown didn't get suspended, although that was a very dangerous play, but I definitely would have given him a game. But 10K, the highest fine possible, that's that, that's reasonable. You know what I had to laugh at? Uh, Andrew Cogliano, who plays for Anaheim, he has a consecutive game streak going. I think it's the fourth longest of all time. And he elbowed a guy in the head very uh, intentionally and with great impact. And he got a two-game suspension, and it broke his consecutive game streak. There were people like Jeremy Roenick and Ryan Whitney saying, you should be able to look the other way if there's a streak like that involved. Okay, so you're telling me that a guy's consecutive game streak, which I've always felt those streaks are way overrated because you're just up for work. I mean, the quality of how you play should mean a lot more. I'd rather have a guy play 70 games every year and score 40 goals than play 82 games every year and score 10. But uh, if you thought they should have ignored the Cogliano elbow for the sake of its consecutive game streak, then don't ever complain about inconsistencies in the player discipline process. That simple. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Yesterday I talked about how I had a doctor's appointment today because I felt like I was coughing up a lung for about the last week. I have bronchitis. Not lung cancer, I was thinking about that. Not IPF, which killed my mother. Not pneumonia, which kills every day, but bronchitis. So, some antibiotics and a puffer. I've never used a puffer. Ten days of antibiotics and a puffer, and I should be as good as new. You know what's funny? We got those little donuts yesterday from Peace Love and Little Donuts up in Beaver. And one thing about radio, you want free stuff to be sent here. Because it's A, it's free. B, it usually tastes great like the Peace Love and Little Donuts. And it's convenient. And with me, whenever I eat lunch, I go out to eat lunch, there's usually something free dropped off. So then I gain 15 pounds. When I don't eat lunch, nothing gets dropped off, so I'm metaphorically starving. But sometimes you want free stuff that never gets dropped off. I am dying for a cup of decaffeinated coffee, and we we have a ton of coffee machines here, but they're all consumed making caffeinated. So if anybody wants to drop off like a pot of decaffeinated coffee with cream and Splenda, I would be most uh, obliged, but that won't happen. 412-333-9939. Okay, enough about me. Uh, Greg Brown, the pirate announcer, tweeted what a great guy Bob Nutting is, and Nutting really wants to win and a bunch of crap like that. We're going to talk about that at 4 p.m. I'll read you the tweet. I'll tell you what I think. I like Greg Braun. Great announcer. Great guy. But he went a little over the top with his crap. Uh, let's get the hockey talk going. 412-333-WXDX. That's a nice win at L.A. last night. A nice job bouncing back after the disappointing loss at Anaheim. I was impressed with Casey DeSmith in goal. I was mostly impressed with the Penguins' structure 
at the back and in the neutral zone. Although they did concede another breakaway goal. Latang joined the rush. Dumoulin pinched. And here they all come. Breakaway goal, 1-1 tie. Like I said, uh, Alexiak is growing on me. And the Pens' record since Justin Schultz returned to the lineup from injury is 6-2. and two. That's not just because Schultz has played well, although he has. That's also because of the trickle-down. You got two righties now on D, and a lefty and Alexiak who can legit play the right side. It's just a more organized defense with pairs that make sense now that Schultz is back. Although I would definitely be playing Cole still in place of Hunwick. And there's still more Tomlin talk to be indulged. The Post-Gazette is reporting that Tomlin called much of the defensive plays from the sidelines this year. And he often took charge in defensive meetings. So what does Keith Butler do then? What What's his job exactly? And should we be blaming Tomlin and not Butler for those 45 points allowed to Jacksonville? Uh, got a great video. I, I mentioned this before. Uh, the trailer for Super Troopers 2 is posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. It's set in Quebec. So Farva can order a liter of cola. L-I-T-R-E, see vous play. Uh, you can't go wrong with Rob Lowe, and there's a Luke Robitaille mention. But the original is a tough act to follow. And let me tell you something I've learned from really good trailers. A loaded trailer often means a disappointing movie. Anyway, the time is not meow. It's uh, April 20 to be exact. Also, uh, I got a tournament coming up for roller and deck hockey, February 10th and 11th at the Hot Shots Indoor Rink in Mount Pleasant. It's February, so the keyword is indoor. Roller is with the ball for adults. It's a lot of fun. Deck is for kids and adults. And the reason I can plug this on a radio show so cavalierly is the proceeds go to the Mario Lemieux Foundation. It is sponsored by Highmark, thanks to them. And we have room for a couple more teams in roller and in deck. If you're interested, email me, supergenius at wxdx.com. That's February 10th and 11th at Hot Shots Indoor Rink. I said indoor in Mount Pleasant. Going to give away 1000 bucks again at the top of the hour. I know you're dying for me to talk about this, but Ben Roethlisberger has been linked to the Donald Trump porn star Night of Passion. I'm Mark Mad 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double S, big fan, man. Thanks. If you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? I would. I'd be delicious. Ditto. The X at 105.9. People are already doing mock drafts. Mock NFL drafts. Sweet fancy Moses. It is way too early for mock drafts. The Steelers should take an inside backer. End of story. There are nude photos and videos of Carissa Thompson and Jay Williams out there. Haven't seen them. Don't really feel compelled to. Both are sportscasters. Jay Williams is ex of the NBA. I bet the Kardashians are jealous. 
these photos and videos were hacked and stolen, and that sucks. But that stuff can't be stolen if they don't exist. I don't see the upside of naked pictures and sex videos. You know what you look like naked. So does he or she. Why do you need pictures? Why take that risk? But the rotten thing is they were stolen. Everyone has right to privacy. I believe Aziz and Zari hacked and stole the photos and videos. I'm not a Carissa Thompson fan. Sometimes she says women sportscasters shouldn't be objectified. Another time she tweets bikini shots. One time she tweeted a shot of just her ass in a thong covered in sand. When you break a woman down to one body part, that defines objectifying. And Carissa Thompson did that to herself. Imagine if I tweeted a shot of my ass covered in sand. Sweet, sassy, molassy. Uh, I guess Ben Roethlisberger hung out with Stormy Daniels, the porn star, right before Donald Trump nailed her. And I mean Ben hung out, not nailed her before Donald Trump did. God, we get too excited about who's banging who. Uh, not just with Trump, even going back to Clinton and JFK. Who's banging who is nobody's business, especially in politics. It's about your proficiency at doing your job, which we will not debate here. In Europe, their leaders have women on the side all the time. And they don't even think it's remotely a big deal over here. They laugh at us because we're so puritanical in that regard. Uh, it's like Kid Rock playing at the NHL All-Star Game. And people have their knickers in a twist because he supported Trump. What, that means he can't sing at the NHL All-Star Game? Give me a break. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Let's go to Patience. Patience. You're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. It's uh, Patience. Uh, hey, with the latest two developments today, while skipping the walkthrough of a playoff game and a reputable source, Eddie Boucher, coming out saying that Tomlin was responsible not only for the defensive play calls this year, but also uh, the lack of adjustments on the defensive side. Shouldn't we put more emphasis on the responsibilities of a head coach when it comes to uh, the control of the team, the discipline? It's I have always wanted to put more responsibility on the head coach when it comes to discipline and the overall culture of chaos, which uh, currently permeates the Steelers' patience. Uh, Tomlin is part coach and part enabler, but when you say demand more accountability, I'm not sure I can do that. I think only Art Rooney can do that, and That's he's just not going to fire him. I mean, patience... If you put me to the sword, I'd probably fire Mike Tomlin if I thought I could get a really good replacement. Then again, I don't know if they could get a really good replacement. I mean, it's the best job in football because you almost never get fired, which is why this is a superfluous conversation because Tomlin won't get fired. But I I, I think his record is, you, you can't ignore how well he's done. Second highest winning percentage patients among active coaches. But mm-hmm. the locker room, the chaos, the failure against second-rate teams, the failure in the playoffs, that's enough to fire him. 
Right, and what about now that now it now I, I guess we understand more clearly why Butler wasn't uh, his name wasn't up because Tomlin was actually calling the plays on defense this year. I mean. That, he needs to be held accountable for that. I yeah, mean, they're not going to do it. I mean, again, I'm asking yeah. you, who holds them accountable and how should they do it? That's that's a great point. There's no one out there. Because uh, here's the thing, okay? Yeah. Okay. I don't care if they win or lose. I, like, I know I'm supposed to. I don't. I only have even a passing interest because I like Ben and I want him to further his legacy. But once Ben retires, i got to be honest. I'll be rooting for the show. And for a couple years anyway, 6 and 10 would be what's best for business. But uh, in terms of holding Tomlin accountable, I can't do it. You can't do it. And the people who can do it don't want to do it. Let's go to Catfish and Hazelwood. Catfish, real quick, you're on a bad show. Yeah, I, I'm talking about that rooster to call you. I don't know if it's the same one, but he had a cup of coffee with the Steelers. And he come down on cutoff day, and he wanted to know if he made the rooster. That's why they call him Rooster Fleming. What the f- went- who gives a frig about Rooster Fleming? Get lost, old man. 412 Rooster Fleming? Here's what's sad. I know who he is. 105.9 DX.